This Kendra is where they make their mark. This is the time where you've got to turn the table. You've got to take advantage and ride this wave in this momentum. Look out! Welcome to our match preview podcast. Callum Williams alongside Kindra D. St. Aubin, as always. A little later on, we'll be joined by one of the greatest goal scorers in Major League Soccer history. We'll leave it there for the time being. First, Kindra, lots to talk about, a ton to digest. First of all, that let's start with an area where perhaps there wasn't too much to digest, and that is the game between Minnesota United and Real Salt Lake. Nil-nil, it finished. We understand conditions were extremely difficult. The football, not perhaps the prettiest on the eye. What were your overall takes from that evening? Um, you know, I think you pretty much summed it up. I think even as you and I were calling the match, you know, you're left scratching your head a little bit on how to analyze and break it down. And as we're watching it unfold uh, on the monitor, trying to go, hmm, what do they need to do different here? Where can they make a change? What needs to be the difference maker? Does someone need to be the difference maker? Does there need to be a change in formation? Will a substitution make a difference? You know, it was, and they had kind of gone to that 4-3-3 and they made the substitutions that, you know, they deemed necessary, but it just looked a little listless in the second half. And I don't think, and I again, I think it's the conditions. I don't think it's a lack of heart. A, a lack of um, the guys wanting to get the points or the guys, you know, Adrian Heath wanting uh, to, you know, get his team fired up at halftime or prior to the game. I mean, we heard from Coach McCauley, Sean McCauley, that it was quite honestly the worst, most humid conditions of all the nights that they had been there. And it's tough to imagine that because you're talking 1030 Eastern, but you could see the uniforms just soaked, just drenched, you know, stuck to their bodies, regardless of if they changed them at halftime or what happened or just warm up. So, and I think the grind of the couple weeks is going to start to take its toll on these guys mentally, physically, emotionally, no matter how much you're up and excited and you're trying, you're trying to be appreciative of the situation. And, you know, I saw this Matias Almeida quote today, like, Hey, look, we're in Disney world playing soccer. It's so grand scheme of things compared to the rest of the world in some places and people and what they're, you know, undergoing right now and going through, this is an okay place, but ultimately it's still going to be a grind. You're leaving your family at home. Um, the conditions are tough. You're in your room. You're by yourself most of the time, except for maybe a couple team activities here and there. And we see these tweets of them playing in the pool and whatever, but it's this isn't like a vacation for these guys. So I think um, all those things combined and just the the situation against Real Salt Lake, and quite honestly, I think Real Salt Lake had a good game plan uh, going in. I actually think the two, the back four and um, the way the wingers play and Ethan Finley and Robin Lud and the way Real Salt Lake plays are kind of somewhat similar. And you saw the outside backs try to get on the front foot. It kind of forced Chase Gasper to stay home a little bit more. Roma Metanera trying to pick his moments to go forward but you know he's played every minute of every match in those conditions so he's got a he's got an engine on him but it can still only go so far and I think centrally there was just something missing Ozzy Alonso making team of the week on the bench but Ozzy and Jan trying to find their groove together and uh, Kevin Molino sitting in front of them Robin Lowe trying to cut in just a lot of things and and moving pieces but ultimately I'm literally going to chalk this up to the environment in the situation right now because it's just tougher than I think any of us can imagine. We are not the ones down there and we are not the ones in enduring the situation. And um, ultimately, as Adrian has said, if you get the points you've gotten out of the first, how many ever games they've played now, it's all a blur. Four games? Uh, 10 points in four games. Okay, yes. 10 points in four games. You'd be happy about that at the beginning of the season and knowing those are all road games and the last two under the current situation, 
you'd take it. Now let's see what they can do against a, a Colorado team that I think is going to come out really hot. <laughs> like hot under the collar hot. Not hot enough to get more red card hot. <laughs> but, you know, they feel uh, unjustly done, I think, from the last match. They're disappointed in their lack of results in the first two games. And I'm guessing uh, Robin Frazier is going to have them ready to play. From one Robin to another, opportunities were sparse on Friday evening against RSL, but the best openings mm -hmm. fell indeed to Robin Lurt, and he was desperately unfortunate. Desperately unfortunate, and, uh, you know, out of the 10 shots, I think he had four, Robin did, and, you know, undone by the post, and then Ethan Finley with the follow-up diving header, so he's in the right position to try to follow up and support his teammate, and then the breakout in the second half where he took on two or three players, which I think he needed to do in that situation because of uh, the, you know, the lack of support around him as they were breaking out, so I don't fault him for that. It was a great save by McMath. And I know I, I'm, I'm, it's not that I'm on this Robin Lord bandwagon. I'm just trying to give him a little bit more time. And I like to try to recognize what he does off the ball and in different moments. I don't think he's as flashy or as dynamic as a Kevin Molino or an Ethan Finley with his kind of burst and energy. But I think that Robin's technical ability and tactical awareness can really help this team as, as time goes on. And once those goals start dropping, he'll feel a little bit less pressure. Um, but yeah, I thought that, I thought that, you know, he was okay in the game. He was clearly better than the first match. So was everybody. The first match, I think, left a lot to be desired, except for maybe Kevin Molino's performance late in the first one. Um, I think Robin will get there. Uh, I think it depends on who's playing around him. That, well, what, that what does he? Sorry, you mentioned that obviously that, that there's a lot of people that at the moment are still scratching their heads yep. with Robin Lurtz. Mm -hmm. You seem to be on the more positive side mm -hmm. of things. So for those who are still not convinced, mm -hmm. Play devil's advocate. Convince yep. them. What, what? Why is he still in this team? Why is he still the answer? Well, I think that he, I think actually that he's not that dissimilar. And I don't know if people are going to jump all over me for this, but then a Kevin Molino. I don't think he necessarily has the finishing ability that Kevin Molino has. And I think we still have more to see from Kevin Molino because, you know, every season, you know, he goes up, he up and down a little bit, depending on health and fitness and national team duties and whatnot. But I think his technical ability on the ball to cut inside, play the one-twos, know where to position. Look at that ball that Ozzy Alonso was able to play to him on the, the chance that he had. And the quick release. He found his spot in between the two central defenders. He put himself in a perfect position to receive it. Ozzy Alonso played a perfect ball in, don't get me wrong. But his first touch to his second touch to his shot was so quick and, and pinpoint. He's... You never have to worry about him getting back on defense. I think the outside backs love the, the fact that he does do his job defensively and tracks back, and he's also very fit. But I think that because he has the ability to cut inside and create and can play the one-two if Luis is in there, Kevin Molino is in there, whoever is alongside him, he's got the ability to play in those tight spaces centrally or out wide. Now, I think he has to be careful on not going inside too much when a player like Kevin Molino is in there. It gets a little crowded, um, and he's got to give an option wide when Chase Gasper isn't to get, you know, able to get forward on, on his side. But I do think that technically and tactically, he's very astute. He's very aware. I mean, there's a reason why he's part of the Finnish Finland national team and that, that, that he, they like him and he gets minutes there and he's been effective. I just think that a lot of times it's, it's movement off the ball. It's away from the ball, maybe away from the camera shot. And people, when you're not flashy and you're missing and you're not getting the goals, people are wondering, you know, why you paid for, for him, what you did. And, um, I just think you got to give him more time. But I like what I see with him, and I, I, I think that he will be a good player.
His versatility was evident. He mm -hmm. played um, in all three roles behind the centre forward on Friday evening, leaving room for a certain Thomas Chacon to come on for his first opportunity of the season. I thought, Kendra, he was slightly erratic. He looked a little nervous. What was your taking from his performance? Same. I mean, erratic and nervous, which, you know, to be expected from a 19-year-old who hasn't played minutes since last year, practically. Um, and barely played minutes last year. So I think it's one of those players that is going to need development. I think it's one of those players that's going to need proper guidance. And as his confidence grows and has, his ability will grow, we know what he can do on the ball. And Adrian said the same things post-match. Look, he's barely played at all in a year. That's a tough task for anybody, let alone the last four months when you've literally been off here in this country, away from your family, by yourself, in quarantine. Let's not forget that doesn't speak a lick of English that I know of unless he's learned it during the quarantine. So I think this, I think uh, that assessment is accurate. Do I think that he does have the ability and the creativity to do things and create and, and be effective? I do. I just think that, again, he's going to need something to help him along the way. It's going to take some time. And, yes, you want to win now. You have to win now. So you have to balance that. How do you balance that? Getting a, a young player minutes developing him, making him part of the equation so he can help you win now and also win now. I mean, that's a tough task as a staff. It's a tough, it's a, it's a lot of pressure as a player. He's a young DP. That's, that's pressure as well in this league, the way we label players. So, um, you know, the way this tournament is set up, we'll see if he gets some minutes on Wednesday against Colorado, um, depending on Minnesota's positioning. And they're they're looking really good in the position they're in right now. And if he can get some more minutes and as the season goes on and the games may become fast and furious once we get into this regular season, he might find the pitch some more. And I think we'll start to see him get a little bit more confidence. Luis Amaria was introduced with 15 minutes or so to go, if memory serves me correct. I think there's... Uh, a little more want and um, perhaps a little more need from the Paraguayan centre forward at the moment. No doubt we want to be as perhaps um, unharsh as we possibly can be here because he is coming back after nursing a, a little groin injury, we're told, which of course it meant he missed the Kansas City game. But no doubt about it, an element of, of expectation moving forward for him, particularly for this game on Wednesday. My thought on Luis Amaria from Friday night's game was that he looked unmotivated than what we're normally used to seeing him in a starting role. I have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. I have no idea what's going on in his life, what the conversation with the coaches were before he went into the match. Um, you know, if he felt like he was healthy and well enough to start, but he didn't get the start. I mean, you just don't know mentally. We're not there. We don't know how these things are going. And again, the situation, but I just thought compared to that competitive fire in the what we saw in the first two regular season games and I know it was an eternity ago but um it just when things didn't go his way or a touch went the wrong way or a pass didn't find him in the box or on the edge of the box some of his body language to me just seemed a little bit off and that's not what I'm used to seeing from him even the times we've the few very few times we've seen him in training I'm used to seeing a little bit more of an intensity a little bit more engaged a little bit and again I don't want to just I'm not calling him out because I don't know all those other things but just from my perception of what I visually saw just his body language and sort of how I felt of him coming in late in the match versus starting the match uh, he didn't look like the same player to me and it's unfortunate because I was hoping 
knowing his ability, knowing the way he makes the runs off the shoulder, knowing the way he can completely outsmart two center backs with his movement. I mean, we saw it, especially in the Portland match where he would hug tight and then drop a step and a half off and a beautifully chipped ball over the top finds him on the back post. Those kinds of things. He is so smart off the shoulder in that sense. I was wanting to see that in the Rail Salt Lake game because that game needed a goal desperately. It needed some life. And I didn't see it from him. I don't know what the you know, circumstances are, but I hope I see it on Wednesday. What about the opponents? Real Salt Lake, would they have been happy with what they saw? I think so. I think they'll be happy with that. I mean, I don't know that the coaching staff is going to tell you that outright, but I think, actually, I, I bet the both teams, knowing that they didn't play their best, uh, that they it was a hot and crazy night, humid, you end on, you start on a Friday night, you end on a Saturday night, Saturday morning. Mm. I think that both those teams would probably take that point at that moment. And Minnesota, I thought, had the better of the offensive chances. So, um, you know, except for that one really late by uh, Sam Johnson that almost trickled in on that breakout, I think that Salt Lake probably felt like, you know, Minnesota had the run of play and the run of chances, and they, they'll they feel good about that that point. I thought the duo in center of midfield, um, the uh, admirably uh, rhyming duo, if you will, in um uh, Pablo Ruiz and Everson mm. Luis, uh, I thought did uh, did quite well and, and held the fort because no Kyle Beckerman, which let's be honest, we said it during commentary, didn't we? At 38 years of age, it, it's not a surprise that he wasn't starting. But I thought Ruiz for his first start of the season came in and performed admirably. I thought so too. I thought he was, I was impressed with him. The second we saw the starting 11 and we saw that Beckerman was not in it, I think we knew that w- that could be a case, a situation because of his age. And now you have Everton Luis and that affords you that to give Kyle Beckerman a day off. But at the same time, um, I didn't think they missed a beat, even after they lost Rushnak on the outside, which, you know, just that attacking threat and going forward can sometimes help out your your holding mids and just that if you know that's there, um, you know, your holding mids might not have as many duties to go the other direction and, and to hold down the fort. Ruiz had, I think, uh, one shot maybe late that was kind of looked dangerous, had some some uh, pace on one of his strikes. But for the most part, I thought him and Everton Luis did a good job of kind of sharing that space, trading the roles of who was going to step, who was going to stay home. And the communication seemed on because I think the fact that I didn't notice that Kyle Beckerman wasn't in there is probably a credit to the duo that was in there that you didn't even feel like they missed a beat. Okay, uh, let's talk about the rest of the league, shall we? And some of the eyebrow-raising results over the past few days. I think we have to start with the LA Derby and El Trafico, don't we? 6-2 for those of you that missed it. Can we even call it a derby or like a rivalry (laughs) or anything? I feel like we got to change the name of that. Well, it's been dominated by LAFC, no doubt about it. They beat the Galaxy by six goals to two. Um, Not the Galaxy's finest moment, it's safe to say. This has been something that's been uh, a major topic over the course of the last couple of years with the Galaxy, really, Kendra, is defensive woes and issues that they have. No doubt they've brought in a couple of players to try and mend that. But after a showing like that, it's arguable to say there's plenty of issues that still need resolving, is there not? Well, first of all, what did you make of Chicharito not playing? I mean, he got injured what, on Thursday and all of a sudden we don't, nobody hears a thing and he's like limping like all get out on his way into the stadium as the cameras are on him, but no one had reported a thing and apparently injured himself on Thursday. Was that on the way to the snack bar or was that in training? <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, like I just thought that was, how do you keep that secret? What are you insinuating here? I don't know. I mean, I just, you know, not that Chicharito would have made the difference uh, mm. in that shellacking. But, um, 
I just think because two teams are in the same city, you can't necessarily be like, oh, this is a rivalry. This is a derby. This, you know, I just feel like people in LA might need to get a grip right now that this is not the LA Galaxy of old. Sure. This is not the dynasty that had been built. And unfortunately, it's sad, but they have not figured it out defensively. And LAFC is not great defensively, but their attacking pieces are good enough that they can have go-to players that they will always win 3-2-2-1-1-0 they have somebody to go to that can still climb back in it the houston dynamo game is a perfect example they did not look good and they somehow found a way this galaxy team does not have it and i don't know where this missing piece of the puzzle is is it the missing is it in communication is it in system is it just in personnel? I mean, you still have some really good players on that roster. Well, let me ask you this. How much of a loss has Dos Santos been in the whole yeah, field role? that's true. I think, you know, sometimes now all of a sudden once you're missing somebody, you really notice what you're missing. And he can pull the strings. He can really start an attack. Um, there are certain midfielders that everything, you know, everyone's been talking about it with Morales, with NYCFC. I mean, they can't get anything going really attacking-wise without him pulling the strings and connecting the dots. And that might be the case right now for the Galaxy. And then there's other players who just feel like they don't know where they fit. You know, you bring Pavone in, who is clearly a talent. Lights out. Attacking ability like nobody's business. But if you don't know where you fit or then you're trying to do too much and the pressure and the chatter and then you've got, I mean, even other players. I mean, Corona. Uh, Legit, who I still have always been a fan of, but he can't seem to figure it out. And then you've got your back four and, and, you know, I don't know. It's just, they're a mess. And I wish I could be on the fly on the wall for some of those locker room conversations. And maybe we'll have to start reaching out to some of our LA Galaxy contacts to find out what is going on in there with uh, Guillermo, Guillermo Barroscoloto. But how much more time do you give? Or does it trickle up farther? Well, that's been suggested, Ticlosa hasn't it? Ticlosa has been previously rumored as just a genius in putting rosters together prior. But now all of a sudden you're kind of going, what in the world? Because this is multiple years now and you keep bringing in a couple big pieces. You bring Chicharito in, you've got all the bells and whistles. You bring Ibrahimovic in, all the bells and whistles. But yet you're still not, you're not winning titles. So I don't know. Where do you go from here? And you can't just keep starting over. Well, let's give credit where credit's due to LAFC, shall yes. we? Because they were fabulous from mm. an attacking point of view. I remember when they had signed Bradley Wright Phillips, and I thought to myself, what an absolute masterstroke. Because you know, with the players around him, even without Carlos Vela, he's going to get service. And that was clearly evident again against the Galaxy. Well, and let's, first of all, he needed to change the scenery in the worst way. I mean, I never, I don't know if I ever thought I would say that because he's just such a he kind of created this legendary status with the Red Bulls. Did you think he needed it? I think so. Okay. I think that just the, and it's not that there was a bad environment, but just a fresh start because of his legendary status there. He had been injured. He couldn't buy a goal in the last season or two prior to that. He was, you know, again, lights out. I think, I don't remember what it was, but he had how many ever seasons in a row with double digits. So just that kind of guy that even as he had continued to age could still find a way and what an absolute signing by LAFC. I mean, don't I, I don't know whose idea that was, but 
to bring him in and then now knowing, you know, the ups and downs kind of with Diamande and now you got Vela out and you've got a guy who's later in his career but makes the most ingenious runs. And I think when you've got a Rossi and a Rodriguez playing alongside him, takes mm-hmm. the attention away from him, which he didn't have at the Red Bulls to that level. And he's so smart tactically to know where to run to make them better and to make him better and to make the team better. And um, I think happy for Bradley Wright Phillips, really happy for him because I think last year was probably really exhausting and wearing on him. And, uh, I, I think, you know, it doesn't shock me one bit that he's scoring goals and that LAFC is finding success. I'm still quite surprised. We know he was on trial with the Revs in the offseason mm-hmm. and Bruce didn't take him. I don't think he would have been anywhere near as successful with the Revs because he doesn't have the supporting cast around him had he have signed there. But surely he would have offered something. Oh, absolutely. He'd offer something to anyone he would go to. I don't question that one bit because not only that, but we heard players in Red Bull say, the young players, how they could learn from Bradley Wright Phillips. If you're on the training ground every day with him, you know, I mean, just having him in your locker room, on your training ground, in your game film, I mean, how is that not a benefit? And I think Bradley Wright Phillips, I don't know him personally, but he strikes me as the personality that would be willing to take on that role. He understands where he's at in his career and what he can offer. So the fact that LAFC have picked him up or took him or how, you know, whoever's idea, Thornton or Bob Riley or Rather, whoever's idea that was, I think that was um, massive. And he is going to fit right in with there. And we'll see when Carlos Vela comes back. But I also think Bradley Wright Phillips knew he was going to be coming in as a roll off the bench. I don't think he was expecting to start. But in this league, it, but when it was going to be a regular normal season, is a long season. It's a grind. There's a lot of games with U.S. Open Cup, with CCL, with everything else that goes along with it and the travel that he was going to be probably coming off the bench and contributing with that front four, front three. And now, I mean, and you're getting service from Atuesta, Latif Blessing, Mark Anthony Kay. If that front six uh, can continue on, I, I'm just happy for him. I think that was, that was a, it's a great move, and I think he's enjoying himself. Let's finish with some deserved recognition of the champions, shall we? Seattle Sounders firmly dominant over Vancouver Whitecaps. Let me ask you this, Kendra, and I say this with all due respect. Was that showing of the Sounders a good performance from Seattle, or was it because the Whitecaps still look completely nowhere near where they should be? Uh, I think it was a little bit of a combination. I think that Seattle started to look a little bit more like the Seattle we're expecting. Not the kind of team that's just going to sit back and let another team possess and come out. You have Christian Roldan, Nico Ladero, Jordan Morris, Raul Ruiz. How on earth are you not dominating the Chicago Fire? Mm. You know what I mean? San Jose Earthquakes. How? How are you not, like, attacking-wise? I think they finally looked more like themselves. I think Morris looked more comfortable in that game with pace and, and decisiveness and what he was doing. Um, I do think, oh, and Gustav Svensson. I forgot about him in, in there as well, right? Um, but Vancouver, you know, you just feel sorry for him a little bit. I think Dos Santos looks frustrated on the sideline. I think they look frustrated as a team. They're missing three or four of their best players. I mean, so it's yeah, it's 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 hard not to judge. It's hard to judge them accurately. They're missing at least two of their key pieces attacking wise. So it's hard to know 
what they're going to be for the regular season, and that really puts Mark Dos Santos behind. And even to a St. Ricketts, who they signed, you know, in the offseason, just offers another element going forward that the others don't. Um, so it's hard to judge, but I do think Seattle looked more like the Seattle we're accustomed to, regardless of what Vancouver presented defensively. It's a shame for Vancouver, isn't it? Because they, they spent all offseason working on on certain styles and, and mm -hmm. what they want to do and, and a high-pressing forward with Cavallini and whatnot. Yes. And now they've had to completely revamp because, as you said, they only just found out these yep. players weren't joining them for yep. the tournament just before. So how difficult mm -hmm. is that from a coaching perspective? It's nearly impossible. I mean, Montero, Cavallini, who we were all talking about, you know, off-broadcast uh, before they were all going to Orlando and just the excitement of seeing him and what his addition was going to mean for this team and to St. Ricketts. So I think as a coaching staff, when you don't know, it's even more of a dagger. And you're right. They've been planning and prepping, and they did their first two games with that, you know, with that group. And it's you're, you're already behind the eight ball and kind of how your past couple seasons have gone. We were maybe a little surprised that Dos Santos had made it through to this point um, prior to this season, not knowing what – but they're kind of a mess in the front office and up above and people taking over double roles and everything else. So I think they've got a lot to sort out and it just makes it more of a challenge for Dos Santos. And I think that's why you, you feel bad for them, but you just wonder what that, again, the camaraderie, the chemistry, the energy winning cures a lot of things. So if they can write the ship after Orlando, maybe. Complete chaos, but firmly entertaining this MLS is back tournament. And uh, next up, we'll be speaking to a man who is firmly familiar with those two words. One of the all-time leading goal scorers in Major League Soccer, Kai Kamara, joins us next in the Match Preview podcast. While team sports may be sidelined right now, team spirit is going strong. Alina Health and Minnesota United have teamed up to support the frontline caregivers at Alina Health. Learn how you can help by visiting alinahealth.org forward slash caring for caregivers. And a very warm welcome back to our match preview podcast. Callum Williams alongside Kindra D. St. Albany, Minnesota United, uh, of course, um, playing Colorado Rapids, their next opponents in the MLS is back tournament. And joining us now, a man who is more than familiar with scoring goals, not only in Major League Soccer, but across the world as well. Mr. Kai Kamara joins us. Kai, how are you? Thank you. Thanks, Cal. That was such a, a great introduction. I appreciate that. Well, it's, it's the truth, isn't it? You know, you've scored goals, obviously, in the Premier League and in the Championship as well. Uh, one or two, unfortunately, against Aston Villa, but we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> talk to us about thank life you, in the bubble. Uh, what, what is it like down in Orlando at the moment, Kai? Do you, do you feel good? La yeah, life in the bubble. I mean, I've never thought I would be in the bubble, unless it's in the movie, but um, it's, been, it's, been, it's been good. The bubble has been floating. There was obviously rumors of earlier times that, you know, the bubble had some little holes in it and, you know, uh, with all the cases and stuff. But I have to be honest, you know, I was really, really skeptical about coming over here and being part of this tournament. But uh, since I've been here, you know, I'm not going to lie. It's 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 been under control, really. It's been under control and players are, you know, moving not freely, I would say, but staying in their corners, quarantines, and staying with their teams. You know, but at the same time, it's nice to really be around and seeing all the players from all around the league at one place at one time. Um, the games are a bit weird, uh, to be honest, because we want to, you know, hear our fans. We want to see some other people at the game. Um, so that's just the weird part about it. But other than that, um, the bubble has really been controlled. How is the atmosphere in the locker room at the moment, Kai, after the two results that you've had thus far? Yeah, no, it's tough for us. It's tough for us as a team. You know, it's just tough in general because what was it, four months before 
we're back on the field to to play a game against a different opponent, you know, other than ourselves at training. So it was always going to be something something hard. And uh, being in the locker room after our first, you know, result wasn't something that we wanted. We thought that we'll come back into the next game and uh, against Kansas and do something, you know, even better. But then at the end of the day, we walked away again with, you know, zero points and, you know, two red cards. So very disappoint, disappointing from, from everyone. The work rate was there, but, you know, we knew that that's not, you know, what the results that we wanted to get coming here. So that's why we're looking forward to this one on Wednesday to no matter what happens with, you know, third place all around the league, all around the groups. But, you know, we want to make sure we finish it strong. When you talked about the unknowns of not having played at 11 v 11, the four months off, but the preparation that you guys did do during the quarantine, can you tell people a little bit about what, what Rob and Frazier had you guys doing and how well prepared as, as you could be, you felt going into Orlando? Yeah, no, it was, it was good. It was, uh, we did some, a lot of behind the scene work. Um, I'm not sure Robin will allow me to say that, but <laughs> we did, we did some, we did some good things, you know, we did some videos, uh, weekly we're doing videos, even though we hadn't been together for that long. We, we only played two games to really look at, um, to analyze how we were playing, how we wanted to play, but it was great. You know, I think the blessings from that, from having Robin for last season, is again, we had him for a few games. So we knew kind of the style that he wanted us to play. So even after the preseason and having played two games and being locked down, we were able to get on these Zoom calls and, you know, analyze the ways that, you know, we have to get back when when we do get back, how we want to get back into it to, to, to move forward. Unfortunately, again, the two games that we've played hasn't really shown all the work that we've done in the, in the past few months in quarantine. But, you know, it does definitely show a little bit of glimpse of stuff that we believe in. Um, as a team and as a group, as we work on. And, uh, you know, I hope Robin still has the face in it, which I don't think he doesn't. But, you know, hopefully we can we can turn something around here and uh, have a better result on Wednesday. And the difference between the two results, you said RSL, clearly not two results that you would have liked, but RSL seemed like a completely different matchup than the Sporting Kansas City game. What did you guys, positives did you take out of the second match against Sporting KC despite lacking the result? Yeah, RSL, again, that was the first game and it was literally four months since we last played at home against Orlando. So it was difficult, you know, it was difficult. We had our game plan and coming into it, but it's just one of those. So in me personally, I would say it's just one of those that just didn't click right away because we were so eager into getting back on the field and having to play against someone else. And at the end of the day, it's a rivalry game too for us against RSL, but they came up up top and, you know, frustrations were there from players we went to a locker room everybody you know spoke out and we knew what we had to do we went back to the training ground and we knew that wasn't us that wasn't the team that we know that wasn't our teammates that we know so we um decided okay sporting kansas city was going to be a different a different approach and to be honest with you i mean if, i'm sure if you guys watched it you can see that how much we we we, we took the game to sporting kansas city was such a good side in this league but we took it to them until, you know, things started uh, falling apart for us with the red cards. And, I mean, with this heat in Orlando and uh, how everything is going, again, no fan support and stuff, when those when you're on your back hills with the, the, those two red cards. And then we had a goal, actually. So we thought we can come out of there with a point, and that didn't work out. So, 
there's a bitter taste in our mouth for sure. And we didn't want to come here for, what is it, three, four weeks and just, you know, not go, not leave this place without actually being able to, to perform the way we're, you know, we believe we can perform. Correct me if I'm wrong here, Kai. It, it looked as though, as though there was a little tactical tweak in the last game against Kansas City. Uh, perhaps the Rapids pressing with with a front three, whereas it seemed as though it was very much a four-two-three-one in the opening game against Real Salt Lake. Um, is Robin Frazier still trying to figure out the best iteration of Colorado Rapids? No, I think we have an identity of how he wants to play, and uh, he's he's basically told us and injected it. I think Kansas City might have been. You know that one that one off of you know maybe doing something different, uh, but that, you know it was working. And sometimes again, this is more like a tournament, so you know we then trigger with something just a little bit, and it worked out for I don't know maybe a half or fifty minutes of that game until you know we get the red card. But I wouldn't say coach is trying to Robin is trying to change anything with the style of the way he's implemented it and how he wants us to go forward I wouldn't really say that I think we still have the identity of what we did at the end of the season of last year or the start of this season so I think it's the same it's the same vision that we do have do you think Kai with the two red cards to both Wilson and Price that'll play its part in the game against Minnesota uh, it has to it has to Jack is definitely not just our captain but you know he's Top by far one of the best players on this team and the leader on this team and you know he leads by example you know there's different class of players and you know I've been in this league for so long Jack's one of the guys that you've been around and he gives it all you know every day and uh, so it's somebody that you're gonna miss and 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 uh, and Danny and Danny came into the game and he did what exactly what was executed at training that said that's how we're going to play against Kansas. And he was able to do that unless for the, the, the one part of the red card. So those two guys are going to be hugely missed. But hey, that's that's where you're hoping to have the depth in your squad where everybody's looking to play. And now it's just, you know, the not pressure, but responsibilities is, is on to, you know, other people that plays in those positions to step up. 35, I believe, is how old you are. I know we don't always want to talk about age, but I'm almost, I'm almost 40, so I still got you by a few years. But how, how have you been able to do what you do for so long? If you were talking to a younger version of you or a younger kid on the national team in Sierra Leone or in the United States, wherever it might be, what would your, what would your advice be to them about having success in this league, in other leagues, and in this game? What, what makes you so good? Uh, first, I'd tell them not to ever, you know, think of that number on their age, you know? <laughs> <laughs> because one, you know, it goes both ways. You know, when you're young, you think, okay, oh, I'm only 18, I'm only 16, I'm only 17, then that's not good enough. You know, I I played for seriously one of the best coaches in this league and mentors that's ever, you know, uh, uh, been in in MLS and Ziggy uh, Schmidt. Ziggy once told us when I was with him. You know, it's like I'm playing my young players. You know, I have the older players. They say people always say, here's young player and older player. It's like, I don't look at it that way. I'm going to tell you guys right now, there's no young and old. There's just good and bad players. <laughs> so that's kind of how I've looked at life and looked at the way, you know, I can carry myself, continue to play. It's never look at yourself and just say, oh, I'm young for now because you're young. You know, you can perform, you can perform. If you're old, you can perform, you can perform. So I just look at it that way. I'm just continuing to play and not looking at the number. 
But, you know, I want to play. I'm playing well. I played um, last season. I played 90 minutes for maybe, I don't know, 30 or so games. Only to have to go to the national team. And I think as a player, if you can still perform in 30, in in 20 plus games for 90 minutes, then I think you still have more in the tank to give. So when I start coming off the bench for just the 10 minutes, then maybe that's the time I should, I would say, I think it's time for me to, to hang it up. Guy, just finally, obviously Minnesota United, the next opponents for Colorado Rapids. What are you expecting from them on Wednesday? Uh, just the style of the way Minnesota plays, really. You know, um, I'm jealous of it uh, as, a, as, a, as a striker. Obviously, they, they, they look to serve balls in the box so much. You know, we have to eliminate that from the outside backs, you know, where they, they, they do deliver. And, you know, you have so a player like, you know, somebody I've played with actually, Aaron Schoenfeld, is, you know, striker that's going to be in that box and wants to make sure that, uh, you know, he gets some some goals. But there, there's many names, you know, Molino, uh, uh, Ethan Finley, and then going to the back, you have Aha and all these guys. I think you guys, uh, Minnesota really does have a good system of play. Again, to us, there's no home field advantage here, so we're all away. So we just have to make sure that we stick into our game plans now to definitely there's, there's nothing else we can, you know, it's no losing now. We have to make sure we, we get a result for the, for, from this one. Kai, really, really appreciate the time. I know you've got lots going on down in Orlando, so thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, guys. That is Kai Kamara of Colorado Rapids. Um, fabulous centre forward, Mr. Consistent in front of goal. And no doubt will be a threat against Minnesota. Absolutely. I mean, no doubt he is abs you know, one of the key pieces that Minnesota United is going to have to keep track of. Jose Aha, Michael Boxall in particular in the middle. Tyler Miller is going to be have to be alert and ready, aggressive off his line. And Kai Kamara has not missed a beat, has not. His jump has not lowered in any way shape or form his vertical I mean his ability I think to read the game and again find the ball in the box you heard him there say I'm jealous of the way Minnesota plays because you have Roma Metinere Chase Gasper and those kind of players that are whipping in the ball and that's the kind of uh, thing that he just feasts on so a player that Minnesota can't turn off on for one minute God, imagine Kai Kamara oh, in a loons jersey. Man. That would have been something, wouldn't it? Um, anyway, uh, let's move on to the actual match itself, shall we, Kendra, uh, and finish up here. Uh, do we expect, we mentioned it briefly with Kai Kamara, there was a little tactical shift um, from a Rapids point of view uh, from the first game to the second. Do we expect it to be uh, a 4-2-3-1? Do we expect it to be a 4-3-3? How, how do we expect the Rapids to line up? I think it's going to be a 4-2-3-1 with Kai sitting up top. Um, I think they're going to massively miss Jack Price, but they still have Colin Acosta in there, who does not play the same role as Jack Price, and I don't think Robin Frazier wants him to be Jack Price. But Colin Acosta has the ability to slow the game down, to pick the pass out, to connect the back to the front. So I think he'll be, you know, in a, in a very central role. But Kai Kamara is going to be sitting up top, and I think that they're going to try to use the the pace of uh, Shinishiki and Benize on the outsides and um, see what they can do to create and combine with Kalanikasa underneath and Kai Kamara up top. So I think for them, their their front is still going to operate in a very efficient manner. I think that Robin Frazier and, and group will have a very um, – Notable game plan. It's a. It seems to me. It feels to me a, a quicker turnaround for these teams. So maybe a little less prep. I don't know who is Yarborough going to start in goal. I mean that he he started the last match, so I would think he would be uh, the choice in there. So he's still getting accustomed to the league and his group and everybody like that. So um, in the back line, I think missing Wilson is going to be a, a big deal. But they have other players who can step in, so I'm not too worried about it. Uh, Bubakar looked a thousand times better in game two than he did in one, and he's still. Uh, getting his feet under him. So 
I think that they'll be in the four two three one, and um, I think that uh, the attacking front four will be firing on all cylinders because they are eager to prove that maybe the first two games weren't the results in the team that they want to be, and these these games still matter. So they're going to try to disrupt Minnesota's chances, and I think the loons look like they're going through, but Colorado's still going to have their their say in it because they want to get some points heading out of this tournament. No, Danny Wilson, as we mentioned, yes. due to that red card, mm-hmm. would you expect Austin Trusty to come in and, and fill the gap? I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. I think he's a good young player. I think he's. Um, I think everybody's really high on him. I think that you know, and rightfully so. And you still have Rosenberry too, as well. You know, not not in the central position, but that if we're talking about just back line and strength of back line, uh, and so I think that Austin Trusty can step right in, no hesitation, and and fill fill a void there by Wilson with who's out with the red. So here's a question about the head coach Robin Frazier. Um, did well with um, chaotic surroundings at Chivas USA, let's be honest, uh, was assistant manager at Toronto FC for a long time and um, had other coaching positions elsewhere as well. But he, he, this is the first time he's had the main gig since those days at Chivas USA. Why? Why did it take him so long to get another opportunity because he's been highly touted. He went and interviewed for other jobs around the league. Why did it take him so long? I don't know. Uh, it's a question mark to me, and we'll see how he does with Colorado, but you saw the influence that he had on Toronto FC and the success that they had there and the players talking about him as a coach and as an assistant coach and what he brought to training every day, what he brought to the matches, what he brought to the game planning, the way he can speak to, and I heard this actually from another Kai Kamara interview, his young players and how he can get through to them and communicate and and get them to understand the game plan and the system and the style and bringing everybody together and getting them on the same page and what they did during even quarantine, which was a crazy time, but having them all analyze game film and do these things and like they were the coach and they would bring back to the table what they thought of the game and the match and what they would have done differently. And I think he enjoys the participation from the players on the team and the feedback and wanting to get the best out of everybody and have everybody contribute to the thought, but then it's his ultimate decision to go forward and how they're going to execute that game plan. I've listened to a lot of, you know, interviews and media availability with him when he was hired and and even this year. And I, I like everything that he has to say. And I like the way he goes about the game and the way he approaches the coaching. And um, I, I hope it translates in Colorado. They clearly have the pieces there. They have some really incredible talent. Um, and I think that Robin Frazier is a great a great piece to kind of head that puzzle and settle things down the way Colorado was a little bit shaky and rocky for a little bit there. He's a calming presence and uh, I think he's got a good group, but I don't know why he didn't get, you know, you just are never in those. You, you wish again, you could be a fly on the wall for those interviews because I think he says all the right things and he does. All, and being an assistant is very different than being a head coach. But I think, uh, I've never, I've never heard anybody say anything bad about him as, as a, how he goes about the game and coaching his, his teams as an assistant. So hopefully for him, they, they write the ship, just not on Wednesday night. Well, he's deserving of an opportunity, no doubt about it. Um, as Kai Kamara mentioned there, obviously they had a little bit towards the end of last season when yes. he was appointed, mm-hmm. then the entirety of this preseason to, to really work on, on different styles and, and how they want to play. I think that's been a little bit interrupted over the course of the last few weeks. But when they are at their best, lovely flow to them when they move forwards, um, perhaps criticised uh, has been a little bit jittery in the past, but... Um, 
if they do have the, the likes of the players that we expect to play, the likes of Jonathan Lewis and, and mm. um, Yunus Namli, yep. Shinya Shiki perhaps behind Kai Kamara as well, uh, there's a lot of threat from them from an attacking point of view. There is, but I think that uh, Minnesota United has proven um, time and time again because just about every squad these days has a really solid front four that has mobility and and can rotate and players that are sliding in and sliding out. We saw it just last the other night against Real Salt Lake. You know, I mean, before he was injured, Albert Rushnak was all over the place. Corey Bayard is switching sides. You have players that are pushing up and dropping back and playing together up top and then all of a sudden playing underneath. So I think in this league, the front four nowadays is there's so much money spent there. There's so much focus there that every defense has to be alert on their toes. They're used to playing passing players off except for San Jose who run all over the place. <laughs> But for Minnesota United and that back four, and I think Jan and Ozzy are going to do even better together. Not that they were poor in the last match, but just sorting sorting themselves out, getting their feet underneath them with their first full 90 minutes or their first full match together in that midfield position. Um, I think that they'll be able to handle that movement. It's it's just the the flexibility of every front four of every MLS team these days and the pace they have. And then you've got these overlapping outside backs and, you know, you've got holding midfielders that stay home and just thwart any attack. We see it time and time again that I think uh, Minnesota United will be ready and prepared for the exact, you know, roster and, and lineup that you just pointed out, if that is the way that they go. And to me, the biggest challenge will be Kai Kamara because he is that kind of guy that will be quiet for 88 minutes and find himself on the end of a set piece and bury it. You know, he's got the ability with his head to put it away on any cross that comes into that box at any time. And uh, Minnesota United is going to have to be ready and alert when he is anywhere in, in and around the 18. Yeah, that was leading into my next question. How do they counteract not only Kai Kamara, but the slew of options the Rapids have at their disposal? Well, I think we're going to have to see a little bit of what we saw the other night, that quick first outlet pass, right? They win the ball. They hold their own. They own their 18. Not maybe worry about Roma Metaner and Chase Gasper flying out as much. Again, third game of this tournament. I'm assuming those guys are both going to play. They've played every minute of both the matches. They're just exhausted. Same with the two center backs. So maybe pick and choose their moments going forward, but you've got to use Ozzy and Jan as much as possible. I think they have got to be the key to starting the attack. That's got to be the connecting piece. And Ozzy has the ability 20 yards out from your own goal to pick the ball, win a ball. Maybe a ball comes in from the wing, doesn't make it to Kai Kamara, but it finds Ozzy Alonso. And he is so calm under pressure, keeping possession and finding that first pass, that first outlet. Kevin Molino, uh, Robin Lud, Ethan Finley, Whoever it might be that he finds in that first outlet pass going the other way, that's going to be the key piece for me. That first pass out of transition, they've got to find a way to keep the ball, allow their team to get out a little bit, possess it, calm down, not be don't don't be frenetic. The energy is going to be tough. It's a late game again in these conditions. I think Ozzy and Jan are going to be key for this one. I think it would surprise all of us, really, if there were any changes ahead of those two players that you mentioned with the, the three behind the forward. But just ahead of them, Amaria surely will start this one, though. I think it has to be. And that is nothing against Aaron Schoenfeld. I mean, he I thought he was really great in game one off the bench. So-so in game two. Um, I think the two center backs did well tracking him and marking, particularly Justin Glad. I think he was pretty much glued to his side the entire match. And Marcelo Silva did a good job dropping in underneath. Um, so I think it has to be Luis Amaria. It's got to be. Uh, and again, these these results are different because we're kind of assuming that Minnesota is sort of already through. Mm. But I do think Luis Amaria needs 
those minutes as a starter with Jan and, and Ozzy and with your true, I want to say it has to be the true starting 11, but I, with these conditions and everything, but I would like to see the true starting 11 from Minnesota United. And then maybe, maybe you give them rest later in the match, but you go with your true starting 11 of what you did. If no matter what the situation was, if you needed to win this match and you still want the three points, this is a regular season game. Right. Right. You know, that's the most important thing we were talking about getting out of the group, but what did, um, the assistant coach, we talked to you yesterday. Sean McCauley. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Too many names going through my brain. He said to us yesterday, we're, we're talking about group stage and what this tournament means, but ultimately we want, this is still a regular season game for us. This is where we get our points. We want these three points. You're not playing for a draw to get out of your group. This is three points on the line. You want the W. And just finally, we saw Kevin Molino come off at half time in the last game. No injury to our knowledge. Nothing wrong with him. I think he was just completely exhausted. Um, with the way that the Rapids, uh, the way that we're assuming the Rapids will line up, and no Jack Price, that would perhaps not insinuate that a little more room for Molino, would it not? I hope so. I mean, I, I hope that is what the case is, and we are not aware of anything for Kevin Molino, and hopefully it is just rest, which is deserved for him to get a little break and get the get the legs a break here. But I hope that he has plenty of room to operate. I thought it got a little tight in there in the last match, especially when Robin Lode is really tucking in. Um, it gets a little bit crowded, and then if you throw Luis in there as well, because he's not uh, the stretch the, the back line type and the, you know, um, Aaron Schoenfeld a little bit more side to side so he could fill one of the sides when, you know, Robin Lloyd would, would tuck in. It gets crowded in there, and I think I saw it in the RSL game. Now, Kevin Molino wasn't in there, but you had Thomas Chacon, Robin Lloyd, and Hassani Dotson, and Luis Maria, I believe it was. And Thomas and Robin were both tucking in, and Luis looked like he was trying to find where he needed to be in that mix. So hopefully... You know, Luis can operate with Kevin Molino, which I think they do really well together in the, the little time we've seen, and he'll have more space with Jack Price out of the midfield. Um, so I think uh, I think Helen Acosta is going to be more worried about tacking and less about defending, and that should absolutely open up a spot for Molino. And you've heard him talk about it with uh, playing on the wing and cutting inside or outside and in. He, he's comfortable anywhere. He'll go where he needs to go to find the ball and to create. And that, that I think will be fun to see if we can see Luis and, and Kevin right from the get-go again. Wonderful. Kindred A. St. Aubin, thank you, as always. And a uh, special thanks to Kai Kamara, who joined us as well, and to our producer, Morgan Lupin. And to you at home for listening as well. Always appreciate your company. Minnesota United underway, 9.30pm Central Time on Wednesday against Colorado Rapids. Remember, you can watch the game on ESPN, or if you fancy it, you can join us on the radio side on Score North. Delighted to have your company. Join us on Wednesday for Minnesota United against Colorado Rapids. And as always, for all the latest on MNUFC, keep it right here on mnufc.com.